so far we have uh, looked into some of the conditions which we can create for awakening to happen. We have looked uh, into our posture, we have looked in, uh, into attitudes which support awakening, and we have looked into cultivating kindness, gentleness, self-compassion in our sitting. So now um, I want to start to explore what in the Buddhist teachings and the Buddhist practice is called awakening. And here awakening not so much with this idea that there will be this one big and then it's done. But awakening more as something which happens uh, throughout the day, short moments. And awakening might be a big, big word. You could also say uh, a sense of relief, a sense of freedom, a sense of opening, a sense of connecting. So here the approach is short moments of awakening repeated again and again until they become continuous. In these moments of awakening they are happening. You experience moments of you know, kind of a shift from oh, everything sucks, everything is horrible, everything is terrible and then somehow suddenly you find yourself in a different space not because outside has something changed outside but something inside of you shifted so how can that happen more often what are the conditions what are the attitudes what are the teachings and the practices which uh, support you there and we have looked into one and some of those and now I want to in the beginning I said that one way to describe awakening is that it has two aspects uh, the first one is the recognition of that which you are not so the recognition of selflessness emptiness the recognition that you are not that independent separate solid scared thing <coughs> That's one part, and the other part is to recognize what you are. That's the teachings on the nature of mind, the teachings on awareness, the teachings on Buddha nature. And today I want to start with the first part, the part of exploring, <coughs> recognizing, and this is really like at the heart, not only of 
the Buddhist teachings, but not of all teachings, of all mystic teachings. The heart of all mystic teachings is to recognize that the sense we have of separation, the sense of me against the rest of the world, that that is a mistake, it's an ignorance, it's, it's called ignorance in the Buddhist teachings. And of course this is a big step, because it's really questioning the very core of how you feel in each moment, the very core of how you feel right now. Like the very core of what, what we feel right now, most of the time, is this is happening to me. This is happening to me. This moment is happening to me. So what I invite you tonight is kind of to expand and to be open to the possibility. So I'm not trying to, to convince you of a philosophy or it's really like an investigation and it does not help anyway to believe in some kind of philosophy. Uh, but in order to lean into the experience of this, we need to open our heart-mind a little bit and consider the possibility that you are not at all what you think you are. Is that a possibility? So that's like, just consider that possibility. That, that all what you think you are, you are, you are actually are not. Is that a possibility? That you are something completely else. So what I'm saying is, you are not a person, you are not a personality. You are not your memories and your roles and your experience. So you're, you're, you're not, you are not that. So if you, if you see that as a possibility, that that could be true. Yeah? So that, that can open, that, that can open our mind and heart a little bit to having, having an experience or a taste or a sense of what the teachings on emptiness or selflessness are pointing to. Just considering the possibility. Oh yeah, maybe. Maybe I'm actually not this person. Maybe I'm not a human being in that sense. I mean, of course you're also a human being, but uh, that's not at the core of beingness, of your beingness. So in in this uh, in these teachings on selflessness, which are particularly condensed uh, in the Heart Sutra, when, when the Buddha gave the transmission of the Heart Sutra on on Vajra's Peak, uh, this is a, this is a practice, and we are going to do that after the break. I will lead you into a traditional practice of doing that. This is a practice of negation. So in this kind of exploration, what we look into is what you are not. In the Advaita Vedanta, it's called Neti Neti. You are not this and you are not that. You are not this and you are not that. So here, in this approach, Nobody will tell you what you are. 
So you're, you're just going to be told what you are not. And then you are kind of left there. <laughs> <laughs> so everything what you think you are is, will be taken away. It's like dying. This is exactly what will happen at, in, at death. And this process will then be forced upon you. Now we kind of choose it. But at the de that's actually ex 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 uh, that's how in the Buddhist in the Tibetan Buddhist teachings death is, is described as this dissolution process of all what you think you are. So this you, you're not this you're not that you're not your memories you're not this you're not that. Everything is taken away. All the toys. All the safety belts. And then you're left there, in the gap. So now, uh, the Buddha did that in the Heart Sutra. And in one of the Prajnaparamita uh, sutras, it said that some of his monks fainted because it was too much. You know, they have built up their knowledge and, you know, and they had all these toys of teachings on karma, the sixteen of that, the four noble truths, and so on and so on. And what happens if you take all that away? That can be quite scary. So that's why the Buddha, after a while, came back and he gave the third turning of the wheel, what is called the third turning of the wheel, the teachings on Buddha nature. So then he kind of he came back and said, do you remember when I took everything away? It's not that I left you into, into in, in nothing. I just didn't want to say something about it. Because as soon as I say something about it, what you are, you make it into something again. And then it's something, then it's again, here I am and there is the truth or there's God or there's Nirvana or there's, so there's, as soon as we make something out of enlightenment, out of awakening, it becomes this thing which, it's, which it is not. So you will recognize that in different kind of teachings and different kind of lineages in the different spiritual tradition that in some traditions in the Christian tradition it's called the via negativa yeah? it's like the negation the via positiva is to say Buddha nature has these qualities and it is this and it's luminous and it's boundless and so tonight I will in our reflection we will take everything away and you will leave with nothing <laughs> but I want to already create a kind of safety net that that nothing which we will end up with is a very special nothing it's, it's a very 
juicy nothing. <laughs> it's, uh, <clears throat> It's, it's in a way, and that's uh, one of the Advaita Vedanta teachers says, to realize I'm nothing, that's wisdom. But with that, I also realize I'm everything, and that's love. So there you have the two wings in Buddhism, the wisdom wing and the method wing, what's called the method wing or the love wing. The compassion with. So both is true to say, I'm nothing. I don't exist in a separate solid way. But what that actually means is that I'm everything. So if we uh, if we look at a cloud. Uh, we can easily understand with our knowledge about you know, the weather system how the cloud is a part of a of a cycle. So we can easily understand how the the cloud is part of a process. So the process of raining, water flowing, then going up into the air again, temporarily forming a cloud, raining again. So, and that is a, that is a, a process and an open system which you can't, really, you can't really point the borders to that process. So if you, if you look into, the, into this process and you come up with the, the whole weather system on this planet and you come up with the connection with the planets and so on and so on. So it's it's a it's an open process with with no really fixed boundaries. So now we imagine a cloud being part of that process and somehow this cloud at one point suddenly develops a, the capacity for a mental process which is called selfing. I call, we call it selfing. And somehow, somehow this cloud suddenly develops the capacity for this mental process of selfing. So cloud forms, becomes solid, and suddenly it says, me. <laughs> and then, through this mental process of selfing, the cloud develops a sense of kind of being centered some, somewhere in the middle of the cloud and looking out. And what does it see? Other clouds. And the next step then is comparison. So the question arises then in the cloud. 
I wonder if I'm cloudy enough. <laughs> oh, but over there, there is someone who's, who is much more cloudy, much more fluffy. I think I need to do some fluffy <laughs> workshop. <laughs> <laughs> and go to the bookshop and buy some books about how to be more fluffy. <laughs> You're doing good. And so then the whole thing, the whole, the whole thing happens. And then, of course, at one point, the cloud starts to dissolve again. One point, one part is kind of drifting away, and the cloud. <gasps> Yeah, but I'm still here. That's not me. <laughs> but then it goes more into the soul. And the cloud gets very scared. So, this mental process of selfing is something which we do in every moment. So, something is happening, like a thought is happening. A sound is happening, a feeling is happening, and immediately there is a sense of me. Oh, there is a thought, it must be mine. <laughs> oh, there is a problem, it must be mine. It must be mine, me. And this, this mental process of selfing, according to the Buddhist teachings, is the root of all suffering, of all war, of all pain, of all greed, of all fears. And it is something which we add, is something extra, something we add to an open process, an interconnected process, a oneness, in, in, in the Buddhist teachings, it's not called oneness, it's called interbeing or interdependency or interconnectedness. So we exist as an open system, like the clouds connected with everything, not having boundaries, but through this capacity of constructing of putting labels, of giving names, we create something extra which we put onto this process. And this something extra is a fantasy. It does not exist. It exists. How does it exist? As a fantasy. Merely labeled by mind. As a construction, as a designation. So, and, and this is so, it's so quick and it's so, it's such a strong habit that we even actually, do, we, we are not aware that it be, it's like there's a thought and then there's a sense, oh, it's me, I having the thought. But it appears to us as if the me is there at the first place, having a thought. And this is like this, in each moment. Yeah. 
And because it's like this in this moment, in us uh, is a sense of a continuity that there is that this me, this mental process. Of, it's 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 like the me 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 me, and that creates a sense of continuity. So we actually have a sense that that me, which arrived here is the same me which is now listening and it's not only the same me which arrived here it was it's also the same of the same me of yesterday the same me of of uh, of one year ago the same me of even 20 years ago of although there's nothing the same i mean every cell in your body has changed you have different feelings you have different thoughts nothing you know nothing traveled from 20 years ago, like every day, like a little core jumping from one day to the next and finally arrived here to hear the message that it does not exist. <laughs> or it exists, but it exists as a fantasy. And that is not how it appears to us. It does not appear to us as a construction. It appears to us as being real. So this process of selfing, of course, to a certain extent needs to be there and it needs to be kind of healthy. So you can, you know, so you can, when you go eating, that you put things into this mouth and not, yeah, so that you take, can take care of yourself. So there needs to be a process of mental selfing. We are not trying to get rid of that process. It's going to continue. And some of us need to actually work on it to have a healthy process of selfing, a healthy sense of this is what I need and this is what I don't need and I'm here and these are my feelings. Yeah? But the problem is that we believe we are that, that, that we, we identify with that process. We identify with the fantasy. So what's the problem with that? Uh, the problem is, and that's something we need to explore ourselves, the problem which comes with, the, with this identification with this designation, with that fantasy, with that mental process, the problem is that out of that, fear arises, reactivity arises, defensiveness arises, worries arises, comparison arises. The feeling, you know, for many of us, that mental process of selfing is not only uh, a process of uh, me, it's also a process of a very screwed up me. That's like the story, a very uh, uh, the, the not good, good enough me. The, the not uh, the, the, the too much of this me, the, the too less of that me. Yeah. And then we identify with that. We identify with the addicted me, with the anxious me, with the neurotic me, with the me which didn't get enough love in childhood. <coughs> me 
So this is, and so after the break, uh, I will uh, guide you uh, into a process of self-inquiry, looking for that me. So if it exists, then looking for it should make it more clear. So if that me exists and we look for it, then by looking, it should become more clear. And the process is like this. We will start with, I will invite you into about three situations where that sense of me as a separate, solid, independent self is particularly strong. It's there all the time, but it's kind of subtle sometimes. Like, you know, if you go into the park and you sit in the sun, then actually that kind of selfing become, can become quite less, less and less. And you, you kind of you get a sense of that uh, connectedness and of that openness and you become less defensive. Yeah? Subtly it is still there, but it's not so obvious. So that's why we will look for kind of some about three situations where that sense of me is particularly strong. And that could be you know, a moment today where you felt uh, where you felt um, defensive, where you felt reactive, where a moment where you felt that things are not going your way, <laughs> which is about almost all the time. Yeah? We don't know that. So, so that's like when you're accused or when you, or, yeah, when, when people don't act in the way you want them to act. <laughs> uh, moments of fear also. And it could be also strong moments of when you feel praised. Yeah? So then it's not the fearful me or the, uh, the reactive me, that's the puffed up me. So that's the first step, and uh, in the uh, particular in the in the teachings, you know, where I was trained, which was is the Geluk tradition of Tibetan Buddhism, which is one of the four lineages or schools within Buddhism. Uh, you know, going back to Lama Tsongkhapa, who was like a reformator, reformator of Tibetan Buddhism in the 14th century. So. And he made he made make this an important part of this investigation. So getting getting a sense of how this imagined me actually appears to you. How does that feel? And what 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 is how does that feel? This sense of how do you dare this? How do you dare to say this to me? How can you you? To me, yeah. How, how does how that when when I say, how dare you to say this to me? What what is it? This me? What is it? What I'm pointing? What, what is it? What I'm pointing to? What is it? How does that feel? What is the experience of that me? So in, in this in this tradition, you are kind of invited to explore that for a few weeks or a few, for a few months just to get a sense of 
how do actually how do I actually believe that I exist? Yes. Could be helpful also to go back in time and see where where this very strong me formed. In I remember from childhood. From childhood, I yes. A very yeah. strong me yes. In period yeah. I if you can later, remember that, I yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so th this would then, you know, so from the Western uh, development psychology they describe this process mm. of selfing of yeah. uh, uh, of creating a self and you can see that when you are with a ch child how they develop that sense of separation how they start to you know in the beginning how they don't have a sense mm. yeah so in this makes it also obvious that this process needs to happen it's healthy so in a way, it's, it's it's maybe not not really correct to say it like this. But some Buddhist teachers said before you realize selflessness, first you need to develop a healthy self. So you you need to develop that, and then you need to re realize this is a construction. So for some for some people these teachings on selflessness they come not at the right moment. So, so for some people they they could it could be a time in their life where they actually need to hear uh, teachings on how to develop a sense a healthy sense of self. Yeah. I think we can do both at the same time. Yeah. working on a healthy sense of self and at the same time realizing what we're doing. So that's the first step. And the second step is that we then look for that self. And there's two places where we look. We look in the body and we look in the mind. Because if that separate solid self exists, it's not going to sit on the cushion beside of you. <coughs> I mean, if I no, now go up and I go to toilet, then we all assume that the self goes with me. <laughs> right? So if the self exists, it must be somehow within this. Yeah, It's not going to... It's not going to be outside. So the body, and it's a simple simplification of the teachings on on the five aggregates, which is you know the, the teachings on the five aggregates in the Buddhist teaching. In the Buddhist uh, teachings, they describe of what a person is, what a person is put up. What's what are the the ingredients of what we call a person? So. And we simplify that into body and mind. And we are going to look. So first we look into the body. Okay. Is there a self within the body? And we can go into the parts of the body. We can also look into the cells. Like the, this community, this process of millions of cells. 
Where's the control center? Where's the Where's the Where's the one who makes the decision? Yes, so that's the other. So th that's the other field. So the, the the body, we will look into the body and then we will look into the mind. So we will look into the mind, okay. It's not in the body, is it in the mind? So that's the process. Looking for the separate solid self. And Uh, one last story before the break and then also as a support for the meditation. Some of you know this story. It's the story of Deepama, the Burmese female teacher. This, uh, she came to the... She taught in the 70s and 80s and she came to... She was invited to New York uh, and um, she was teaching in the United States in the 80s and one of her students, Sharon Salzberg, showed her around and she was this simple woman that lived in Calcutta most of her life so first time in New York and Sharon Salzberg brings her to the to one of the first automatic teller machines bankomats in New York so just to show off just to show what we had, what we what we gained in the west so she puts the card into the machine types the number, the money comes out. And while she is doing it, Deepama is standing there and is saying, oh, this is so sad. This is so sad. And Sharon Salzberg says, what is so sad? And then Deepama says, this poor person which is sitting there in the machine without light, without air, getting the card, reading the card, and handing you the money. And then Sharon Salzberg says, No, no, there is no person. There is no person inside the machine. There is just this process happening. And Deepama says, Ah, that's exactly what the Buddha meant when he taught anatta, selflessness. There is a process happening but there is nobody behind it. It's not happening to someone. So now what you do in meditation, in vipassana, in insight meditation, is you take the screwdriver, the bankomat, <laughs> the awakening process. Let's liberate this person. Let's liberate the prisoner. Yeah. Let's make enlightenment happen. Let's liberate that person. And you start to screw. So you take, the, you take the machine apart. And here the machine which we take apart is the body-mind system. So we take it apart. Expecting somehow there is a person inside. Someone, we, someone who needs to awaken. Someone who needs to be liberated. And then we do that. And then suddenly it dawns upon us. There is no. There is no prisoner. 
There is no one to be liberated. There is a process. And in meditation you do the same. You're, it's not a philosophy. It's not like something you need to believe. You, you, you do this process of taking the process apart. Like you would take this uh, machine apart. So you take all the parts and suddenly you, you see yourself. Wow. There's nobody in there. Except the one I imagine to be in there. Okay, let's have a break and then we will do it once. And that's it. <laughs> I mean, once you saw it, that's it. Then you're going to kill us all. So let's take a few moments of just sitting quietly. Allowing the shift to happen from being in the head to being in the body. Just noticing how you feel, how it is to be here for you. Now, welcoming your own energy. best as you can, sliding into a sense of friendliness, sense of yes, this is how I feel, this is what is happening. Start this reflection by bringing your mind to a situation or a theme which makes you anxious. 
something you worry about situation or the people involved to your mind and see if you can get a sense of the anxious me. Do you don't need to look hard, just a, a sense, the sense of anxious me. So it's not only that there are bills to be paid or decisions are to be made, it's happening to you. And this you, this me, you try to get a sense of that. If, if, it, if it's my bills, then you're not worrying, you're not anxious about them. So there's a sense of me, me and mine. Next, uh, I invite you to get a sense of the I'm not good enough me, the not good enough me, the worthless me. So if you bring your mind into a recent situation or a sense of I'm not good enough, reflecting that to you. So can you get a sense of the not good enough me?
deep into this, just get a sense of So the last is like a general sense of when you say, when you feel, uh, I have a body. I have relationships. So this I, I have thoughts. So to this I, what are you referring to? Get a sense of that. What are you referring to when you say I? Like, I am a mother. I. I'm a husband. Just get a sense of what you actually point to when you say I. I am the mother, the I the self, the me. Get a sense of the owner of the body. Or a sense of the owner of the personality. I have a certain personality. So the I. Keep that kind of sense of the eye a bit. And now we are going to look for the eye, for the self. And the first, we will look into is the body. So one way to do this is that to imagine or to, to get a sense that there's this millions of cells just get a sense of that feet legs belly chest arms head and brain so there's millions and millions of cells and they all work together So in this community, where's the I? Where's the control center? Where's the owner of this community? Is it in the hands? Is it in the belly?
within the brain, the eye. So we're looking for one eye. It's one. And what we find is millions of millions of cells. Another way is to kind of cut your body into parts, so maybe a bit rough that meditation, but let's see what happens. So if you take your body and you take off the skin and the meat and the bones, maybe a bucket with all the fluid, so you take the body apart in this way and then you look at these parts and again you see parts so where's the eye is it in the legs in the bones in the fluid in the skin So here we come to the same, we're looking for one, the eye, and what we find is many. So the last is that we are looking into the mind, because can't find the eye in the body, so if it exists it needs to be in the mind. So we look into the mind. What is mind right now? So there's memories, there's thoughts about the future, there is certain capacities in the Buddhist psychology they describe 51 mental factors different capacities of your mind. So you look into the mind and again you find many things, the 51 mental factors, memories, thoughts, feelings, and they come and go. So again you find many. Which one is the eye? So whatever is there in your mind right now, which one is the eye, the me?
So now we are in the situation of having taken apart the machine, the, like in the story. And all the parts are in front of us now, the body parts, the mind parts. Imagine for a moment how it would be to put down the burden of me and mine. is happening, thoughts are happening, sensations are happening, a sense of me is happening, but there's nobody, <coughs> but there's nobody owning it. in your body. You're not 
your name and not the roles you play and not your memories and your worries about the future nothing in the content of your experience is you come and go, thoughts come and go, memories come and go, reactive selves come and go, puffed up, se puffed up selves come and go.